we really have to learn of what the rules are in doing business because sometimes it it costs you more once you're starting to make waves and starting to do things out there in business. You become a target. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. There's your competition trying to pull you down. That's there's a lot of things that's that's going against you. So I've you know I've always felt that though, especially being a a black businessman, a, a minority businessman out here doing business at a lot of levels that people aren't used to us doing business at, that they look at things to see what's wrong. Well, how mm-hmm. are you doing it? And if you're doing it, it's got to be something illegal of what you're doing. So, so we get more of the hard way that we go and we have to take. And, and I don't always feel as though that's the right way. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up? This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I am your host, Sean Dustin. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Uh, this is a second uh, interview I have this evening. Um, if you're enjoying what I'm doing and you're getting any uh, value out of it, do me a favor and uh, show uh, kick some of that value back. If you're on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button in the corner. Uh, hit thumbs up, too. That helps as well. If you're on Facebook, do me a favor, like and share this uh, episode or or uh, broadcast. Uh, if you're on the podcast platforms, do me a favor, subscribe. Uh, if you're on Apple, subscribe, rate, and review if you can, if you're getting anything out of what I'm doing. Uh, and also, too, all the ways to connect to the show if you want to support the show, um, you know, either monetarily or the freeway, which I just gave you a couple of examples of how you can do that. Go to linktree dot or linktr.ee forward slash nowhere to go but up. And all the ways to connect to the show will be there. And also, um, you know, social media, any way that anywhere that you're going to connect, connect to the show will be there. This evening, my guest is Brian Carpenter. He's a former Washington football team player, uh, which was the previously the Redskins, I believe, was recently convicted of a conspiracy to commit wire fraud and was sentenced to six months home confinement, 50 hours of community service. Brian's here to talk about uh, his conviction and the mistakes that he made um, as a business uh, person and uh, in life and uh, what he's doing to kind of redeem himself uh, since then. So I'm going to bring Brian in here. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, so 
Why don't you go ahead and uh, you know give everybody a little bit of background on yourself, and uh, you know kind of let us know where you uh, you know how you got here and and what you hope to get out of doing this. <laughs> okay, well, uh, uh, I'm Brian. I'm from Flint. I played football at the University of Michigan. Uh, I played uh, here with the Washington Redskins. Played three years in the league. Um, I was a businessman. I'm a businessman here in the in the DMV area, and um, that's pretty much my my story in a quick. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's uh, not too many people can say they were NFL players. That's a small that's a small uh, fraternity there. Um, my friend uh, Holly here, she's a she did federal time and and she's a, a, a paralegal and going to. Uh, uh, going to school to, I believe, um, become a lawyer. And she says she knows a little bit about your story. Um, so yeah, what, what, how did all of that come about? I mean, you started a business, uh, janitorial business and, you know, you, I guess you were doing that for four years and then you got caught up in, in something. Um, was it, was it a, the normal kind of conspiracy where, Oh yeah, she's a prison consultant as well. Sorry about that, Holly. Um, what, uh, like, how how was it a, a conspiracy that somebody like told on you, or was it more of a conspiracy that you know it, you were involved with some other folks and got drag drug into it, or did you actually know what you were doing? No, what we what we had. Anticipated for well, what the case was based upon Metro, um, supplies and invoices that were created. We, we supplied invoices to Metro and supplies for 15 years. Uh, we were asked to hold some of the, some of the product for them. And by their rules and regulations, we were able to do that. Okay. We were able to hold it until they're asking us to ship it at a later time. And we've done that for several people through years, warehousing, because if you procure something, uh, then you're able to ship it at a later, whenever the customer requests it. So if you buy something and you ask me to hold it and ship it to you at a later time, uh, well, we saw that as one of the rules that was in their procurement rules, so we didn't think it was anything wrong with it. And... Um, I don't know. We still don't know what happened on that end to kick it off. There was other companies involved, but but we were the only ones that were brought to court on it. Uh, it was ten other companies that were involved in it. They all uh, invoiced and processed, and we were the ones that were uh, being held responsible for this for. Uh, what their employees was asking us to do. Why do you think that is? Do you have any idea or any no. uh, inkling no. or suspicions? Yeah. yeah. Well, what we really believe is that because of who I am and what was going on, that this was brought about. We um, we actually never got the opportunity. Most times in procurement you're given the opportunity as a businessman to cure it. If you've come to me and say that you uh, 
you've got a problem with something, you would give us an opportunity to fix it. When you're dealing with government or procurement or anybody that's procuring something, uh, or if you're a customer off the street, if you call and you place an order for something, something doesn't come in right, something's wrong on, on an invoice or billing or whatever, you, you typically are given the opportunity to, to call that person and fix it. Hmm. And we were never given that opportunity. Huh, that's interesting. So Holly's asking, well, she's curious of what the actual charge is. Uh, attempt to commit wire fraud or conspiracy conspiracy to uh, for wire fraud. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, the conspiracy charge, and and I Holly was actually caught up in her in her in her case uh, on a conspiracy as well in the white collar, like a white collar um, right. type type deal. Um, so yeah, I mean, so it, it was basically like you, if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, like you didn't really do anything wrong or you misinterpreted something and, and, or misunderstood how it was written or, or, or how you perceived the actual rule itself. Well, yeah, it was their procurement rules. Okay. That we based it upon their procurement. We found that, um, you know, when you look back at this, this was a seven-year investigation <laughs> for, uh, what they took, said $300,000 for stuff, uh, which it cost us more in legal fees <laughs> to deal with this than it would have been for me, for us to actually give it, give it what they were disputing about it. And we were actually never given the opportunity to, to do that. So uh, we found that to be, and then for it to go on for as long. But I just thank God. I thank God that it was a lesson learned from this. I thank God that we were able to move on from this. I thank God that I've never spent a day in jail through this whole process, all of this that was going on. Uh, we were able to come out the front door on this and able to take this story and move on past this and, and be able to educate people. Because if you coming through this system and you're realizing what's going on that, you know, dealing with the fans, dealing with the federal government, they can indict a ham sandwich. I mean, they, they can indict anybody. It takes <laughs> nothing to get indicted, but it takes a hell of a lot to get out of it and to deal with it. And what sometimes what you're forced to deal with, you have to decide how to how to take the loss, how to deal with it. You know, when I'm looking at seven to twenty years on something and that that I knew that I was going to fight it all the way and deal with it, and then for them to come back and say I can walk, I'm, I'm going to walk back out the door on this. That's a no brainer. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially too, you know, when you're dealing with the federal government and I've I've been to federal prison myself, not for a long period, but I mean, I've kind of dealt with that. And or listened to a lot of folks that were on conspiracy charges while I was fighting my case and you know, Holly says, you know, conspiracy, they don't have to prove, you know, they popped you on wire wire fraud and that's a really easy charge and how are you going to prove that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, she also we have another um another uh comment here 
He says, I do not understand. Uh, I do understand that he admits to wrongdoing. However, I'm interested in knowing what his plans are now. And that's from a Facebook user. I'll get the name here. It doesn't show up on my uh, who it is. Well, one of the things I'm doing is I'm starting a foundation to give back to a lot of the youth uh, and speak to them about some of the things that I've gone through and some of the things I've learned and carried on and and dealing with some of the disappointments uh, that I've had to face along this way. And and try to get these young kids to understand that I was blessed because I had the means and some of the means to be able to hire some of the best attorneys. In, in, the, in, in the DMV, in this area, mm-hmm. to to deal with that. In most instances, you're not, people aren't able to do that. You know, they weren't able to, to, to provide a defense for themselves like that, to go up against the government. So I'm proud of it. I'm glad about it that, um, that it happened, that I was able to get that, and the judge was able to see it in the way that we saw it without bringing on additional issues. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Holly, you know, commented again, uh, Oh my God, 300 K ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's about low hanging fruit and you're a big I, name. Yeah. 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 That's what I've been told several times that, um, uh, especially on this level of white collar or whatever the situation would be that, to pursue this, I, I, you know, I found it to be ridiculous. And, and due to the fact I was never interviewed from anybody, never interviewed by the FBI, never interviewed, uh, from anybody about it. So, um, yeah, yeah. I've always felt as though to be blast all over the country, everywhere about this situation, it, it created more damage on on the reputation and what we're doing and what's going on than what this was actually about, especially because we were never given the opportunity to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Holly says, uh, I commend you. He needs to educate on any government intertwining business. And yes, his story. You need to know how to move forward as we go through this crap. I'll be quiet. I'll, I'll be quiet now. And then she uh, goes, you're a hundred percent. Correct. Make that 501 C three. There you go. Thanks, Holly. I plan to do that. That's what the process is dealing with now. And so explain a little bit more about the 501 C three. Cause I just uh, started my own as well. And I just got my status approved and I've been, um, talking doing my market research and talking to probation and you know that's my lane is is i want to start um helping out youth and the the kids that are transitional aged from 18 to 20 24 i believe um in in my area in my in my county and so you know talk a little bit about that because that's that's something that i'm i'm in the process of myself well i've got they're setting minds up right now uh, we, we've been blessed to be able to come out. I've got a lot of guys I've played with that are, that have been supporting me along this journey, along this way. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, and friends and, and, and members that have helped me. And now I just feel like it's time to, just like I'm talking to you, I think it's time to have a one-on-one. 
just mm-hmm. like how the barbershop talk, LeBron and some of the other guys have been doing. And and just, I mean, let's get real. Let's talk about to some of these kids, some of the issues, things that they face. Let them know what's ahead and trying to uh, get them off of the uh, path that they could be on, and that and doesn't just have to be business or, or 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 drugs or or you know or anything else that could be wrong. Let's let's address it. Let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. And a lot of times, because we've gone through with it, I feel as though we need to get real about it. I mean, let's let's sit here and let's be honest and let's get real. Because if you go up in there in the jail, it's going to be real there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, let's, so let's address it before we get there. If you go to court and you got to deal with it, it's a real situation. And when you got to call up on those attorneys and those attorneys is asking for six figures, that's a real, well, that's real. So, so let's sit here and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, yeah, Holly, the feds, no joke. No, they're not a joke. They, you, they got way more money and, you know, way more, uh, manpower to send people out and do these things. Like I was, uh, I still had, I had 10 people that I interviewed that were in, um, are in federal custody right now on conspiracy charges. And I'm going to plug, uh, tomorrow's episode and Holly, you're going to like this one. Uh, Robert L. Jenkins Jr., he's a federal attorney and our, topic in our discussion is going to be about conspiracy charge and how it's abused by the, by the uh, federal prosecutors and how they totally manipulate that charge, you know, and, and hem a whole lot of bunch, a whole lot of people up in it. Well, Rob is, Rob was my attorney. Okay. Okay. Rob and Pleasant Broadnets, they're the best. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, thankful that I was able to meet them to come in line with them and um, the representation that they gave me it was a one and, and and it's because of those guys that that I'm sitting here talking to you now you know yeah and able still going out to do work and do my and take care of business and able to create things and deal with it on this end uh, so I'm I'm truly grateful and thankful what Rob has done and Pleasant Broadnecks. I mean, they're like I said, they're the best. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to that conversation. I've, I, you know, I've, I've been wanting to talk to a federal attorney about this, and I just haven't been able to, um, up to this point, you know, reach out, you know, with the show and everything else that I've got going on. You know, it. Uh, some sometimes it's a little difficult to to reach out to the places that I need to, and uh, Ali really just you know i was like oh it's we we had uh she'd hit me up on a messenger and we were talking and as soon as she said the federal the federal attorney i'm like whoa oh my god <laughs> yes absolutely yes we need to do this i want to I talk yeah you got the right one on on there then yeah holly says she's happy you're not going to stop either um and so yeah i mean that's a lot of what we need to do i mean it's you, you aren't, you're not, I don't, I wouldn't look at you as a criminal. You know, I was in, I was in the criminality part of, of, you know, what I was doing and addiction and everything else. And so that's kind of why I have, um, 
that space and, and what I talk about and how, and, and, you know, what I plan on, on doing on my end here in my County. But yeah, I mean, we need people, you know, like you and I and, and other people that are able to, uh, have different legs of, of what we're doing. Like I'm in the media part of, of, my lane and my experience and my expertise that I bring as an addict, as somebody who's been through the system, um, you know, been through uh, trauma and, and understand all of that. And, you know, there's pe- folks like you who want to get involved in, you know, former NFL players, uh, retired NFL players and current NFL players that have platforms and people that actually listen to them. And so when we can bring all of that in, together and harness that we can move mountains man right right i agree and i think that just like in business a lot of us uh want to start businesses especially now want to be entrepreneurs we want to we dream on on being our own doing our own thing but sometimes it's a lot more work involved in in that whole process and sometimes we don't realize how close to the line that we're getting in in the stuff that we do. And we well, we think, like you're saying, if it's not selling drugs, we're not killing somebody, we're not robbing somebody, that that it's it's not criminal. You know, I'm just doing business. And and and, and we really have to learn uh of what the rules are in doing business because sometimes it, it costs you more once you starting to make waves you're starting to do things out there business you become a target mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there's your competition trying to pull you down that's there's a lot of things that's that's going against you and uh so i've you know i've always felt that though especially being a, a black businessman a, a minority businessman out here doing business at a lot of levels that people aren't used to us doing business at that they look at things to see what's wrong well, how are you doing it? And if you're doing it, it's got to be something illegal of what you're doing. So so we get more of the hard way that we go and we have to take. And, and I don't always feel as though that's the right way. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, Holly was talking. We were talking about something at one point. Um, ah, I lost it. <laughs> So yeah, it, uh, it, there's definitely, um, a lot of challenges that are happening right now. Um, you know, just in, in life in general, uh, in society and a lot of the things that are playing out, uh, right in front of us. Um, you know, you're from an area, uh, Flint, Michigan, where there was, there was some corruption going around, uh, with, with that and that whole water incident and, you know, the, the, you know, all of that, you know, the media starts suppressing things. People then it doesn't look like it's as big a deal as it as it is, and you, know, you start to see how things are lining up. Um, it's just, it's just kind of crazy. And now, I remember what I was going to say, Holly. Uh, we had talked to the, about this um, with the you know all the PPE loans and everything else that have come out. I mean, when they when all of the dust settles from all of this, they're going to be combing through all that, looking for fraud and looking for ways to put people in prison. Well, you got to look at the way I do now. It, it, <laughs> the ones who can represent themselves at this level, who's able to 
uh, hired the best attorneys, who's ever able to strike the best deals, as opposed to the ones that uh, are going to get caught up in the system. And that's one of the issues that, that I was looking at that I didn't want to have to address is is the civil charges, the civil issues that come around, along with that you don't get to when you're dealing with white collar stuff mm-hmm. is uh, forensic accounting, forensic attorneys, you know, it'll go through, try to represent yourself. That burns through your your money more than anything else. As opposed to on a criminal charge, you're hiring the thing. That's pretty much uh, a cut and dry case of mm-hmm. representation. In. But when you get into trying to see wire frauds and documents and and all the rest of that, at five hundred dollars an hour, paying attorneys thousand dollars an hour, and you got ten thousand documents and attorneys and all of that, it it really eats into what you're dealing with. And that's why I want to advise and talk to some of the youth because it's a bigger picture mm-hmm. in representing yourself. And it's a fine line in what keeps you out of jail. And you have to ask yourself, I don't know, what is your freedom worth? You know, how much would you pay to be free? Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's where I, that's where I was when I caught my case. I was like, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a conspiracy and I was dead to rights and they had me. Um, but I mean, it was like, well, I'm just going to take the public defender. I mean, there's nothing I can do. I can't, I can't fight it. I don't have the money to fight it. Uh, you know, I'd already tapped my mom out on my, my state charges and I was just like, well, I'm just going to have to do what I got, you know, yep, yep. Send, send, send me where you got to send me. And that's what most of us face. 95% of people that come through the fed systems. You know, that's why their rates are so high, convictions and everybody, because we can't afford to to pay for representation once you get involved in, in of dealing with fans. Yeah, Holly says you're absolutely right, and she works for the public defender's office too. So right. right. Well uh, I I I agree with you. <laughs> so that's why most people have to plead and it's not supposed to be like that. No, I mean, there's, there's actually a documentary called the, uh, the vanishing trial. Right. Have you seen that or heard about that? No, I haven't. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's about exactly that. The, 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 um, conviction rates and how nobody goes to trial anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Everything's played out and uh, what you're looking at and what sentences are and, um, uh, and that's why the jails are full of, of people of color sitting in the jails. Well, I think there's a little bit more of a sinister, like if you ask my personal opinion on it and, and everything about like how, how we got to where we are with the mass incarceration and, and, you know, having how many, what 2% of the population is, is, you know, the prison population for the world. There's some cr- crazy number. I, I can't remember what it is of people. In, in the United States versus the, the rest of the world. And I think a lot of that was coincided with the fact that, um, you know, when they privatized the prisons, they started to need to fill those prisons up. Right. And then you have, you know, the change in the 94 crime bill, which changed all of the sentencing guidelines, mandatory minimums and everything else. Okay. So now we've, we've, we've got a place to put them. And we've got a place to, to, or a way and a mechanism by which we can lock them up for longer periods of time. 
now the prison industry, which, you know, if you've been to federal prison, it's Unicor and they make quite a bit of money there where they're only paying people, you know, $2 an hour. But it goes back even further that, than that, in my opinion. And it goes back to when the Iran Contra thing and they started flooding the inner cities with crack. That's right. So all of it lines up and coincides with one another. You know, it's like a domino effect. Okay. Well, we've got the way to do it the way to break up the the communities, the way to take the men out of the homes. Um, and, and all of these things kind of go together, but most people don't can't put it together that way. They don't understand it. They don't, they don't understand that like your government is capable of doing these things to you. That's right. That's right. You know, and a lot of people are good people, right. you know, they're, they're good people. They work hard. They, you know, they want the best for their families. They want, you know, what most of us want. We all really want kind of the same things, you know, for our families, for ourselves, for our children. Um, and, and we're not that much different from one another, but we're being made to feel like we're very different right. and that we're divided. And, and there's all these different things that are keeping everybody away or, against each other and divided from each other when you just look look back at any any movement from mlk to uh fred hampton to malcolm x jfk anybody that was involved in trying to unify the population what happened to them right they're they're not here no more yeah yeah and I was, I made a comment today. Somebody was in a, in, in a, one of my friends, um, who I had on the show, number 69, uh, episode 69, Steve Grumbine. And I was like, well, he made a comment about, you know, rallying the masses or, or something to that effect. And I'm like, well, you know, the, the problem is, is that most people subconsciously, that's always in the back of your head when you want to speak out or speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I don't know if I want to get involved in that because if it starts gaining traction and, you know, let's say I'm the head of it, you know, that, you know, bad things might happen to me, you know? And so sometimes, you know, you just don't, you don't speak up and you don't say things just because of, you know, how they've conditioned it. Right. You know, we've been conditioned quite a bit from the, from the media. And we're scared. I mean, a lot of times when I've gone through just this incident here of dealing with of how uh, these guys have, um, who are doing business with, sometimes they're forcing people to take pleas, as you were saying earlier. And so now I have to get on, I have to get on the stand and give your narrative to the situation. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize I have more empathy now and not just sympathy because I've gone through it now. So I, now mm-hmm. I'm understanding of, of what it feels like being indicted and not having a voice, not being able to speak, not being able to talk. Just like you first came on there with me reading off all the charges, all the different situations. Well, I had to hear this for a year, mm-hmm. not being mm-hmm. able to tell my side of the story. And that, and that's the biggest thing that I love now is, is that now I get to speak my truth. I can say what really happened. I can talk about how we got caught up in this situation and how that we, uh, weren't able to, um, talk about what was going on before. So now I've just had to sit back and look at 
get you. I mean, people were treating me and dealing with this like I was Al Capone. <laughs> like I had a like I had a mafia situation going on. That I was head of a uh, uh of a major ring that mm-hmm. on all of this. And that was one of the things that we always figured out how could I be the head of something when the government gives those credit cards to those users, they place the orders, they do it, but I'm the one held responsible for what the government employees are head. They're the ones that are entrusted with this, with their credit cards, with their situation, but I'm the one being charged because they came to me and asked me to hold it. I'm a businessman. And if I'm giving you good customer service and you ask me to purchase, you're purchasing supplies for me for the last 20 years, I have a warehouse. You ask me to hold it because you don't have room to ship it to you and ship it to you when you request it. I didn't see anything wrong with that because we do it all the time. They want to procure it. They don't have room. The government needs to spend up a certain amount of money at the end of fiscal years or something. They ask us to, you know, ship it later. And we do it all the time. No, yeah, I, I, I get it, man. I, I, I would, I would have an issue with that too. You know, you know, it's, why, how is it? Yeah, it's so frustrating, man. Um, Holly has another, uh, Thing she said. So one last thing, trauma. You went through trauma because you had to lie about being on the stand to not tell the truth, but eat it, you know, and all of these, when you get put into a situation like that, when you have to, you know, deal with what you had to deal with, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's not, if you're not a, a criminal or if you're not, um, you know, if you're a drug addict or whatever, the experience in itself is enough to put you through, through some PTSD and some trauma. I know when I came out of prison, I had PTSD from some of the things that I had to experience while I was in there. Well, well, one of the things that I want to address what Holly was just talking about, I'm not speaking about in terms of me being on the stand because I've never got that opportunity to speak mm-hmm. ever. I mean, in during the plea, during the whole situation, because it's, it's the government's narrative. And once they're asking you and you're going to do a deal with them, whatever, you have to agree to what their, what, whatever their narratives are, whatever their situations are. And so, uh, and when they want to come after you, if they, you know, they're always looking for somebody up higher. So what they'll do to uh, the other people that can be involved, for them to walk is to get everybody to rat, to tell on it, to tell on everybody, or to say something wrong, or to say a lie that 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 is a lie. So, uh, yeah, and and to be able to deal with that and face it, I realize now that it's it was a hell of a thing, and that's kind of what I want to be able to share with the kids. That's something you don't want to have to get involved with, and and deal with because the F, because the federal government has the FBI. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they got the FBI. So you got to uh, go hire investigators, attorneys, and everybody else to fight, fight whatever they're dealing with. Yeah, you ain't gonna, and you ain't, you're not gonna win that. They're gonna always be able to out, outspend you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
you know, and I thought a lot of that's by design too. Right. I mean, we're, we're, we're living, we're living in a, uh, a, what's up is down and what's left is right kind kind of world, you know, and it's really, it's really frustrating. Right. Holly says again, okay, okay. I can't stand it. Exactly. Those with the authority with credit cards. Are you kidding me? And 20 years, it's all about who you are and the narrative they created. And they got, and he got 14 days. Mm. Okay. Yeah. He got 14 days. Yeah. I, I've never under, that's the thing that really irritates the hell out of me about, about the conspiracy charge is you, and I'm, and I'm referring more to the, the people that I've talked to that were incarcerated, you know, for decades, um, is you took the word of a criminal. Somebody who's being incentivized to tell you whatever you want to hear or what they think you want to hear. And some of these folks were, were, they had conspiracy, they had, uh, importation charges. Um, you know, they were, they were told that, oh yeah, I sold, uh, kilos, you know, of, of, of methamphetamine. And a lot of these people, you wouldn't let hold $50 let let alone 50 kilos right and and most of them had no vehicles so how in the world are they going to get that uh that that drug from mexico to here right right and and, and you know and some of the i think one of the judges uh in this case when they asked him that um you know they tried to uh argue you know the importation charge and then they kind of got shut up with, okay, well, we're going to take away your downward departure. Um, you know, which is your acceptance of responsibility. It's another little coercion thing to shut you up. Right. And then when, but when they said, all right, well, I don't care about that. I want to argue it anyways. They said, well, you know, that's where meth, that, that's where drugs come from is Mexico. So that's wow. you, you know what I mean? It was okay. That's, that's where drugs come from. That, that is your reasoning. There's no investigate investigation. There's no nothing. It's just, it's just investigators talking to criminals and criminals giving them information and telling them what they want to hear. So there's really no investigative work ever being done. Hardly ever anymore. It's all about trying to force somebody. They can give you their narrative and make you take a plea. You know, and I'm glad that, that I've had the, the judge that I had. I thought Judge McGrady, I thought he was an excellent judge. I thought he was a fair judge. And I think that um, him giving me the opportunity to walk out that door and 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 understanding I can have a platform to do some good things with to come out of this, I really appreciate it. And it really helped me to really sit back and take a real good look. At what was going on, and and to shrink your circles and watch that, you know what? Maybe I should have said no. You know, now looking back on it, I should have said no about what they came to me with that. But you know, I, this was my interpretation of of what their procurement rules was, and I know we've done it in the past, so I didn't see it as being a major issue, a major problem. Not especially not to this extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And Holly says, "Yes, broken system. We must change the front side of the system. Right. Half of these attorneys go by the playbook they are given because the system doesn't change, and it's a win for them." Right. Tell him reform. Get it on. 
and yeah, we need to be doing have, thinking heavily about reform and and what what role that we can play right. uh, in in facilitating that. Um, and lastly, she's like you, Sean, I'm here to help. Exactly. I mean, anytime anybody comes to me with, um, injustices or, or, or needs their signal amplified to call out corruption or, you know, speak truth to power, um, in a, in a way, I guess, um, you know, for whatever reach that I have, uh, you know, and I, and a lot of things too, it's like, you know, how I feel about certain things. I, I oftentimes wonder if it's going to affect, you know, when, when I'm going to try to get grants or anything for the nonprofit or, or anything like that. And they start looking back at some of my episodes where I, you know, talk about some of these things and, and, you know, I hope that it doesn't affect that. But like I said, if you have a big enough network and a strong enough, um, uh, peer group around you, you know, let's say, you know, we're, we're partnering up, you know, when the nonprofit gets, when I actually get it going and up and, and the model, you know, the way that I need it to go at some point, it's, there's going to be, you know, a panel of people in like yourself that come and talk to these kids via zoom or, you know, whatever, whatever the platform is and have them in like a sort of a seminar or, you know, a presentation of different folks like yourself that have been through things. And, um, you know, I was having a conversation with the probation manager of Contra Costa County today, and I was explaining to him that we don't listen to people with bars and stars and, and, and letters behind their names as, as, you know, kids, as, uh, ex offenders, we just don't see it because it's, I have a hard time relating, relating to you. You know, you, you, have you been through my shoes? Have you been to prison? Have you been, uh, through trauma as a child? Have you been through all of these things or did you just read it in a book? And, and, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, we need those people in the world too, but for criminal elements and people that suffer from criminality and, and have gone through hard knocks in their life, they're more receptive to hearing it from, uh, idols. That's right. Idols, people that, that, you know, like football players, people that they look up to or folks that have actually been through it themselves and can relate into and can speak to their experience. I agree because I think that most of us, you know, uh, I don't know any, I only know one person person is Christ. Mm-hmm. Most of us have, we were an incident away from being in a bad situation or bad place. And, and, and maybe we just were stopped. Maybe we just hadn't been dealt with. Um, but at some point, sometime things happen in our lives to give us a different perspective. And, and I believe that all, most of the time when you get that perspective, it's not, it's typically it's not about you. It's about something that, that you had to go through that you're going to be able to help the next person get through. And how they can get through it and how they can face it and realize that they can keep going and they can move on from whatever mistake they've made and how they've done it. Uh, that, that we're able, we're possible to be better 
than what somebody else has labeled us or think that you've gone to be that that you can do it. And that's kind of where I want to deal with these kids because mm -hmm. kids, youth, adults, everybody else, just because we've got knocked down don't mean we have to stay down. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, there's a way up. There's a fight. And the name of the podcast, Nowhere to Go But Up, you know, and that's exactly what it is because you right. can only go so far down till you realize that, okay, well, there's only one, a couple of options here. Right. You know, actually, maybe two. Right. right. E either, either right. pick yeah. it, pick it up and, 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 and start figuring out how to level up and, and, and do what you got to do to build that self esteem and, and realize that, you know, nothing is, is impossible. Right. And a part of what I want to teach and what I'm doing is, uh, how to podcast and how to, how to build a show right. and, and how to do every aspect of it. Because what's really powerful is when you find something that gives you your voice back. Mm. And podcasting is one of kind of like the last frontier that they're not um, censoring yet where you can have a voice again and where you can have conversations like this where you and I are talking about, you know, things that are really important and things that impact in, impact communities and impact society. You know, I there was a lot, you know, just like the the reform that they're talking about doing Biden's talking about doing and that how they've stopped contracting with um you know certain prison uh industries and stuff like that i, I that's just fodder you know what i mean that's just the you know it's yeah they may be but they're not addressing the things that that really are are crippling our society and our in our um in our you know, communities and our impoverished communities, poor communities. I mean, it's no, it's no mistake that, you know, these places stay the same. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, the uh, years. Okay. The problem has been happening for how long? And, and it still looks the same and hardly any different than it did 25, 30, 40 years ago. Right. Because you a know? lot of times we, we believe what people tell us, mm -hmm. you know, we, you know, we believe that we're only as good as what we hear. If you keep hearing that you're nothing, you're not going to be nothing, you're not going to be able to ever get out of this situation, then you believe it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and if you've, if you've been giving hopelessness for, for so long and, and, and they've in, embedded that thought process in you and, and you believe it, you know, that, uh, then it is hopeless. I always mm -hmm. believe that you know what you can't enjoy winning until you face losing. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know you can't enjoy if you've never lost, you've never had any hard times. You would never understand what being happy is all about. You mm -hmm. know if you've never cried, then you've never understand what laughter is. You know so so sometimes for us to learn to appreciate what we have, what we don't have, the gifts, the opportunities we have is that we don't realize it unless we're faced with other challenges that face us, that, that can, the possibilities of it being taken away from it and being gone. So, uh, and I've, I've learned to appreciate a lot more now being on this side than I took for granted on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, that's a great uh, point and a great way to look at it. Um, 
And I've heard that before. I, but you know, sometimes when you hear things, you just, I talk to a lot of people. So I'll hear, I'll hear something a couple of times. And then uh, that one person that I hear it from will just be like, Oh, yeah, I get that. But yeah, you know, it's absolutely true, man. I mean, you know, if you've, if you've always been miserable, how will you ever know what happiness looks like? Exactly. You know, it's, it's like, well, I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. So I don't know what I'm missing. Right. So I don't really know how to, or even know if I should navigate to it, right. you know, to a destination that I don't even have the address to. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, put it in layman's All terms. Thing is bad, bad neighborhoods, bad situations. How would you know what it's like? Being in a good neighborhood, a good situation, good school. If you've always had bad things happening to you, um, uh, I have a friend of that has a program that they're doing in Detroit, and it really touched my heart because it was realized there were some kids that are out here that has never had a private room to themselves. You know, they've mm -hmm. never had a bedroom to themselves. They've never been able to sit down and have a meal by themselves. You know, mm -hmm. always they've grown up with being in shelters or, or, you know, homeless situations, being having to eat out of, out of soup kitchens or, or giving that. So they've, they don't understand what it's like to sit down in a bed by, in a bedroom by yourself, lay down by yourself. Sit down, have a lunch or a dinner or breakfast by yourself, and, uh, and when you look at stuff like that, you realize how truly blessed that we really are. Yeah, and too sometimes you know a lot of people don't don't realize this too is that when you grow up in a household that's abusive or 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 toxic, or there's a lot of yelling and there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, and, and, you know, put being put down and, you know, just dealing with unhealthy stuff. What ends up happening when you get older, and I, I realized this about myself was you don't know how to stay in, in something that's not chaotic. That's like, right. like if there's no chaos going on, right. you self sabotage the situation to create the chaos that you need right. because that's like familiar to you. Right. That's what you need to function in. Yeah, it, that's how you survive. That's how you function. Mm -hmm. And and so it's, you know, same way, learning to play with success, learning to live with success. You know, a lot of us aren't used to being successful and not self-sabotaging, mm -hmm. looking for the other shoe to, to fall. Or, 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 or even realizing that you do deserve to be successful. Exactly. You know, because all the conditioning that, that you've gone through up to this point, you know, tells you otherwise, right. tells you that you're not worthy, you're, you know, all of these other things. And so, I, I mean, we really need to start addressing, addressing that and start teaching, teaching our, our youth, um, how to be a human. And how to identify things like that, you know, like shadow work. Have you ever heard of that, that expression? Yeah. You know, usually when, when you don't like something in somebody else, it's really something that you don't like about you. Right. And, you know, when you, when you 
want to attack somebody else for something, turn, no, no, take a look at, take a look at that. Stop for a second and pause. What is it about them that you don't like? And now turn that around and like, okay, do you possess some of those qualities that, that you don't like in them that you don't like in yourself? Right. Cause I've always found, well, not always, but when I started really thinking and looking at things in those, in that way, in that light, that I, most of my problems, I didn't have to go very far from me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And figuring them out and, and realizing that. And I know that not everybody suffers with trauma and not everybody, you know, has that, uh, that element to their life that causes addiction and, and everything else, but just dysfunctionality in, in general. And actually being with, being around people that have suffered from PTSD project PTSD on the people around them. Mm-hmm. So when you're a toxic person, you're causing everybody around you to now be a, a part of your um your toxicity and now you're you're traumatizing them as well. And so I mean that's all all of that is encompassed in 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 that type of thing. So yeah, it's uh you know we got a lot of work to do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do and I you know I believe that we've got to start loving ourselves first. Mhm start believing in ourselves first and that anything is possible. And that's one of the things I've always preached. Hey, I played in the NFL from Flint, Michigan mm-hmm. at 170 pounds. Okay. So if I can do it, that coming out of a small town in Michigan and make it to the Super Bowl at the weight that I played in with everything in the league being much bigger than me, I'm a, I'm the same size as the trainer. and being able to face that and believe but because i had parents family support everybody that told me i could do whatever i dreamt that i could do and so uh, that's one of the messages i want to help to get out because i don't believe that this is the final chapter this is not how this was supposed to end with me so i believe Mm -hmm. that yeah there's there's more stuff to be done to get done so uh it moving forward and, and I'm looking forward to that part of it. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. Uh, I want to I want to continue to follow uh what you're doing and hopefully we can uh, intersect at some point and uh I, I would love to. I would you love know, to. work on work on something and trying to get these uh, you know, these these kids the help that they need. Um in my area like I was doing some research cause I, I, I initially I wanted to help guys in reentry, um, you know, adult males coming from incarceration from prison and, and reentering the community. But then as I started, um, doing my research and talking to different, um, you know, uh, people in the community and kind of asking like, what is, you know, what, what is needed? You know, I know what I want to do, but where, where is, is, you know, the, the crisis sort of, um, and where can I be most useful to begin with? And it was, uh, you know, it was told to deal with transitional youth. And then I was thinking 15 to 23. And then, you know, just by talking to people, they're just like, no, no, you want to focus more on 18 to, to 24. And the reason being is that the youth authority in California is getting ready to shut down. They're, 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 doing away with it and all of those i think by 2023 
it'll be shut down. So they're no longer even sending people or sentencing people to that with like longer sentences or, or juveniles with that. So, I mean, where are they going to go? What, what's going to happen? Where's, where's the, um, the diversion? What is, you know, what's going to be in place of it? There's right. got to have something, right? And then these guys that are coming back, uh, um, you know, that have got, uh, you know, their sentences have been reduced and they just have to, um, you know, send them home or send them to another program or a facility somewhere. And I think that's where I'm going to step in and, you know, provide a, um, a, a transitional housing plus add all the elements of, um, you know, taking them to where they need to go interviews, you know, and not just, not just, you know, teach you how to, how to do a resume, but actually do mock interviews with you and actually, you know, train you and, and give you skills. I want to incentivize them by doing the podcast, you know, give you your voice back, teach you how to do all the elements of it and then have one for the actual, um, program that they run. And they figure out what the guests to get and what kind of, you know, opportunities they want to talk to, who they want to, um, interview. And as they learn how to do this and as they start getting bigger interviews with bigger folks, you know, like maybe their idols and stuff like that, because it'll happen. It can happen and it would, you know, I don't see any, I don't see any, you know, celebrity type that would turn that down if some, you know, a group of, of, you know, youth, transitional youth and, and, you know, from hard communities wanted to interview them. I don't see that as being a problem. And then that's what actually gives the, uh, the, the self-esteem. I mean, because, you know, when you start setting goals and achieving those goals, then you start realizing that, oh, there's a different way to go about, about achieving self-esteem the right, right way. Right. You know, a lot of us didn't have that. We, we did it in the wrong way. We did it in through, you know, manipulating women or, uh, you know, d- 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 criminal stuff or, or whatever it ends up being, but it's the wrong way because, and, and it works in reverse because all the, the people that you're hurting does the opposite to your self-esteem. That's right. That's right. And, you know what I mean? Even though it's, it's in a, it's in a, it's cloaked in a facade of, oh yeah, oh, I did this and I did that. Yeah. Good job, man. Good looking out. Blah, 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 blah. But when you really start to stop and think about what you're doing, like I couldn't, a lot of the things that I was doing out there, I couldn't do unless I was under the influence. Mm-hmm. Because once I would, once I would come down and I'm not high anymore, I'm starting to think of all of the damage that I caused in my wake. And it's like, uh, I better go get high again because I don't want to deal with that. Right, you know, and so it's just that a false courage. That yep, false, yeah, that's what I tell them that it's false courage. It's our false toughness. We create situations that we 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 think we have to be the biggest, baddest guy on the block, and uh, and we create bad situations for ourselves. But but I believe everything starts with one. Yep. You know, if you can grab one, you can make a difference with one. You can change one, help one to change their circumstances, their life, their thing. And and I also think that this is what you want to do, what I want to do. It takes help because mm-hmm. you need people at the top who will believe in the people that's coming out of a bad situation and, and doesn't just believe that, that those people are worth throwing away. Mm-hmm. But their lives are over because they've made a bad choice or a bad decision that there's nothing good in them because uh, we, we've done something wrong. 
And uh, so you need people to believe in you. You need people to are willing to really, because that's what they keep saying, uh, of, of having a second chance. Mm-hmm. Society really gives us that opportunity to have a second chance. Mm-hmm. You know, to give people that opportunity. You know, you talk about felons being able to, uh, their right to vote. If you've gone in and you served your time and everything, why shouldn't you come back and be restored to full full citizenship in the United States? Yeah, and that that doesn't happen either because every time every every time uh you get you catch a charge or you know actually anytime you get arrested, right. it goes in that permanent file. Exactly. And like that kept me like I had a white collar charge in in uh in federal prison, but that history worked against me. Yeah, it, it doesn't go nowhere. And so instead of going to a camp, I ended up in a medium over something that. Like I pled, I didn't even plead guilty to that. Like I had had a, uh, 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 what was it? A, uh, <sighs> some, some violent charge because of a fight that I got into and it got dropped and, and, and lowered down to something else. But just because of the initial offense and what that was in my record, they wouldn't allow me to go to a camp. Right. And so it's like, okay, well, you just continue to, you know, the, the, did my did my time for the crime and and move that that is there's no such thing as that it continues year after year after year if you're in that lifestyle to to affect you so um so we got some uh some more comments here from Kendra Hardy we all fall down some way or another in life but we can always get back up absolutely uh and if you can't be that person that helps someone else get back up right. you know to each one, teach one, right? There you go. That's how it's done. Uh, returning citizens or hashtag returning citizens. Fantastic interview. I think that was from Sandy Freeze. She was the one who who didn't have the uh, Facebook name. Okay. Kendra, again, uh, I love this, Brian Carpenter. I always wanted to help with this. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Sean Dustin, you are angelic. Well, I appreciate that. I really do. You need to contact your state senator to have a meeting. Okay. In Maryland, if you have a felony after serving your time, you just need to register to vote. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that I didn't even realize that I could vote when I got out of prison because I just believed that, oh, well, you're not, I'm a felon. I can't vote. Right. Right. And, and so, in I got out in 2010 or 2006 and I didn't vote until 2016 for the first or no, actually till this year for the first time. But in 2016, I just didn't, I, I knew that I could, but I just didn't like any of the choices. So I didn't. Um, so, but yeah, it was, I really, I didn't believe it. And Kendra in, 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 in Maryland, uh, if you're up in the Baltimore, Maryland area, check out a, uh, a video or a episode that I did, I believe it's 97. It's in the high nineties, but it's with Dr. Carmen Johnson. And she actually got sent to federal prison for three years, uh, when she was helping out with the, uh, the 2009 financial crisis and trying to keep people in their homes and, and stop the moratorium from the illegal foreclosures that were happening. Right. So she saved like 800 families, um, from being evicted, but 
she wouldn't play ball with some of the big wigs in Maryland. And they wanted her to say that there wasn't any um, illegal foreclosures. And she'd proven that there was. And she was on the board of the NAACP Maryland chapter. And she was, you know, she was involved pretty heavily. And, you know, she was just a business person. Same thing. Same thing as you. But since she wouldn't play ball, they uh, wrapped her up in some other indictment charge. And they found they found her name connected with somebody that she had done business with. But, I mean, it was like she was doing credit restoration. And so she worked with a bunch of different real estate agencies and just so happened that these people um, were being indicted on something and they threw her into it as well. And that was the tie that, that they needed. And she did, she did three years or three years in federal, federal system. Yeah. It's a really good uh, interview. And she's out here advocating now too of her situation. And so, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a new thing, man. It's just, we need to start speaking out against it and so start many stories. So many people that don't have voices. So I really applaud you for what you're doing of giving people a voice. And that's huge. That's big. That uh, Because there's a lot of people that need to be able to tell their story and be heard. And uh, so I really thank you for this opportunity and, and applaud you for, for what you're doing. And maybe keep it up. Keep doing it. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I actually would like to have you back on and we can talk about football. Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and, and your career and, and what that was like. And, you know, cause it's not a lot of people get to experience that. Okay. Anytime. Anytime. Just let me know. And one more question. And it's, and it has to do with football and, and, and the, the past event that we just had. Okay. Um, how, how, how crazy is that? That that dude is, is it is it that that guy that Tom Brady is that good, and Gronkowski is that good, um, well, that they couldn't that they could go from you know one you know doing what they did with the Patriots and then just coming right back and bam hit it again or is that just luck? No, it definitely is not luck. What I you know first thing that I like to say one about Tom Brady I love him because he's a Michigan man. That's where I went to school at. So okay. yeah, so. Uh, but two, you know, he reworked hard. It was good. I think the coaches, Todd Bowles and, uh, and Leftwich and those guys, they had a great game plan. And I think, you know, I know a lot of people are saying that, um, they hate seeing Brady keep winning. And my thing is, as I keep saying, is they're beating, <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> He's not supposed to beat himself. It takes somebody to go out and beat him. And I think, you know, I didn't grow up with seeing the Jim Browns in, in the area. I've heard a lot about them from my father and them, I, you know, or the, or the Bill Russells and, and the, see all the championships and stuff that they've done. So I think it's pretty nice to be able to live during this time to see something that's going to be great, that's something that we'll, you'll be able to say you've witnessed. I've, you yeah. know, I've witnessed this because I don't think this is going to be done in a long time. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think so either. Um, Kendra says they have a diverse coaching staff. They put the work in. That's right. Yep. Yep. I was like, you know what she's talking about. She sure does. Doesn't she? <laughs> we've, we've, we've had a couple of uh, cool guests or um, uh, comment people that were commenting on in, in giving some great, great input. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the participation, you guys out there. I really appreciate it. Yeah. 
All right. Why don't you go ahead and uh, plug anything that you want if you've got some stuff to plug, uh, and then we can just go ahead and wrap up and uh, we'll do we'll do the outro and then hang out in the uh, in the green room for a second and then uh, we'll wrap up. Okay. One of the things I've got, we've got our official page. I'm not sure. If we still, can you still see me? Uh, no, no, no. I can't. You went. You went. Okay. Okay. Our official site on our Facebook page. Uh, we've got. Facebook, Twitter that we've got going on. We've got some websites coming up with the Flintstone group. So uh, just hit us up and, and let us know. Uh, it is Facebook, uh, the official Brian Carpenter on Facebook. So just hit yep. us up, follow us. I got, I got it right there up on the uh, screen for you guys. Uh, and then he's also got Instagram, uh, official Brian Carpenter. And then you can also go down into the description of this podcast. And then when it actually goes and, uh, airs live for the people that are listening to it on the uh, podcast platforms, which will be tomorrow or the next day, I've got two of them to, to, to push out. And I also got two more interviews lined up, uh, for this week as well. Uh, but they'll, that'll be out there and all of the direct links are available in the show notes or in the description of everything that I do on all of my broadcasts. So, um, you know, if you want to connect with Brian, do it, go ahead and do that there. And also if you want to connect with the show, like I said, uh, all my links and everything are in the description as well. And, uh, yeah, if there's nothing else, um, I guess we can, uh, we can get out of here. All right. Hey, been fun. Thank you, brother. And I appreciate it. I uh, appreciate everybody who's commented. I think I, I lost a couple. Uh, I will do a couple more. Uh, James, uh, somebody I know been known for a while. Great conversation. I'm telling you, Sean, the podcast has good substance. Well, I appreciate that, brother. It's taken me a minute to get to where I'm at, but, uh, you know, I've kind of found my lane and I'm doing what I can with it. And Kendra, yes, sir, I know the facts. So hang out for a second. And everybody who's joined me this evening, I appreciate it. And uh, until next time, uh, I will see you guys later. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.